and welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. This is a special educator series where we speak with the finalists for the 2018 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history. It's an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to research, interpret, and share the stories of the past. My name is Brooke Campbell, and today we're speaking with Michelle Park, a teacher at Corner Brook Regional High School in Corner Brook, Newfoundland. Her students study different aspects of the home front experience during the Second World War, including propaganda, rationing, changing women's roles, and the treatment of different minority groups. To conclude the lesson, her students create, research, and develop a project of their own that further explores the various impacts of the war on the daily lives of Canadians. Thanks for speaking with us today, Michelle, and congratulations on being a finalist for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So uh, before we jump into talking about your project, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your school and the students that you teach? I teach at Cornerbrook Regional High, which is on the west coast of the island of Newfoundland. We have approximately 850 students in our school, and they are from grades 10 to 12. At the moment, I teach Canadian history and world history in English and in French immersion. And over the past 20-plus years, I've taught core French and a variety of other social studies courses from grades 3 to grade 12. Um, I have an honors degree in French and an honors degree in history, and my thesis focused on the first women's labor union in Newfoundland and Labrador. And this past year, I began a certificate program in Indigenous Humanities and began classes to learn Mi'kmaq. So I'm a student as well as a teacher, which I find really helps me in my role as a teacher. Um, In our school, about half of the students choose to study history, which is an increase over the past decade. And I like to think that history has a relevant and a constant and valued presence at Cornerbrook Regional High. Well, that's incredible. So what really inspired you to create this project? Um, well, for me, studying history is about making connections. You make connections between history and how it's reflected in your varied aspects of your life, your culture, your forms of expression. Um, you can make connections between history and other academic disciplines. So as a teacher of Canadian history, working with teenagers, I want my students to make a personal connection with their own history and with the history and histories uh, of their country. So this project shows that history isn't something that happened to other people. And that's often a perception my incoming students have. It's it's famous faces and it's foreigners. Um, and it's not just one story either. It's not, you know, the history of an elite. It's not just military history. But it's it's the many and the varied stories of what most people would call ordinary Canadians. So this project shows that ordinary people can own their history, and it's regardless of their origin, their identity, their ethnicity, or their gender, and ordinary people can own their history within the commonality of our shared history um, as Canadians, really. So it goes back to, I guess, the quest to make it relevant. And this project provides a context of lies 
lived and stories told. Like history is a story. Um, there's a poster that's front and center in my classroom that asks three questions. Well, four really. It always ask yourself who writes the stories, who benefits from the stories, and who's missing from the stories. And to me, like I said, history is a story. So with this project, students can contribute to the stories, especially of those individuals and groups who might not be included in a textbook. So the project demonstrates the importance of multiple perspectives, as well as many sources. And um, I think it's important, too, that students uh, analyze primary and secondary sources, in this case of the Second World War, and that helps them develop skills to interpret those sources. They can identify bias and point of view in what they read and what they view, and they can evaluate the nuances of it. So overall, it creates connections to the past, and it also creates connections to their communities and their country. So they can discover and understand the relationship and the relevance between history and their lives. So it's it sounds like a lot, and I guess in a way it is, but this project tries to encapsulate all that. That's fantastic. It sounds amazing. Why don't you tell us the, what the overall project is exactly, and what are some of the different final assignments that your students work on to help apply their knowledge? Well, it, um, it was directed towards my grade 10 class, um, and I think it could be adaptable to students from grade 9 to grade 11, um, it took about two or three lessons and longer if you want to do the extension activity that we did choose to do this year. So basically, as an overview, um, the idea is, or the theme is, that not all Canadians' home front experience of the Second World War was the same, but some aspects were shared. So we explore how and to what extent the Second World War affected the lives of Canadians. So together, students help each other make connections about the home front experience. Um, and that would have been part of total war, or what we call total war in, in that perspective or in that sense. Uh, and we look in the context of propaganda, rationing, um, changing women's roles in the treatment of different groups. So at the end, they create and research a project of their own, and they really enjoyed the options that they had um, to further explore the impact of the war on the daily lives of citizens. So what we did um, in the current curriculum that I have, um, this was a very, I guess, it was, it was one part of the whole context of the Second World War. So we looked at the war's causes and Canada's role in various operations and campaigns. Um, so the effects at home, when we talked about wartime industrial production and conscription and other social and economic changes, it provided a good context. So what we did at the beginning, I asked my students, you know, what do you know about the home front during the Second World War? And how might the war uh, have affected people? And do you think it affected everyone the same? And why or why not? So that kind of begins the idea of what total war is. And we discussed that, how rationing uh, became a part of it. And we talked about what they thought rationing was. So the, the part that one of the students enjoyed a lot was um, we asked them to compile a list of everything that they ate and drank the previous day.
and they had some fun doing that, of course. And then we compared that um, that list with a Canadian ration list of the Second World War. And we talked about how the government encouraged Canadians to conserve food and, of course, um, how that would have affected what people prepared. And um, by far, everyone's favorite part was to sample a war cake that um, that I make every year. It's an ongoing joke in my house when oh, we know what what time of the curriculum it is because war cake production has begun. And it's basically a recipe for a boiled raisin cake, but it has no milk, no eggs, and no butter. And the students love it. Uh, not this favorite food, but they literally see and taste what would have been different. It's nothing like a birthday cake that they would associate today. So from there, we look at, okay, how do you encourage people to ration what they eat? So this becomes... Um, our study of the use of propaganda, and that transitions to the second part of the lesson. So the biggest skill, perhaps, that my students would say that they learn from this is how to analyze a um, a source. So we look at some propaganda posters of that era, and we talk about how images and text can be used to create propaganda, and then in smaller groups, perhaps four or three, depending on the size of your class, I usually use four, each group takes a, a different poster and they analyze the message that that poster hopes to achieve. And, of course, I've pre- prepared a source analysis chart to do so. So then we apply all that that we've learned. So. We remind students that not everyone's war experience was the same, and not all propaganda was in poster form. So we talk about how um, images, for example, Ronnie the Brain Gun Girl, and why this image was created. Uh, We look at how images of African-American women, Japanese Canadians, Indigenous Canadians, um, a song from Atlantic Canadians, how those texts, how those images might have been used and why. So that gives them a framework from where they can choose their own assignment. And um, that assignment gives them a chance to further their research and further understand different aspects of the wartime experience. So as I said, there are four different assignments to choose from. Each of them had a clear assessment rubric accompanying it. The first one, or option A, um, was to create a poster. So students envisage themselves as, okay, you're a Canadian artist during the Second World War. Your task is to create a poster to do one of the following, either to encourage young Canadians to fight overseas, to encourage Canadian families not to hoard food, not to waste food, to keep up the morale or the confidence of Canadians during the war, um, to ensure Canadians not damage the war effort, or to show the consequences of defeat. And a lot of students chose that option. Uh, Some of them, depending on their interest, adapted that to a video as well. So visual... Visual learners tended to like to like that option most. Um, a second option, or option B, was a comparison, which I called wartime and my time. So using um, some sources from Veterans Affairs and the Memory Project, 
um, students listed away, listed all the ways that people's lives changed during the war. And then they looked at which change was most inconvenient. And then which change would have been welcomed the most? Like, was there actually anything positive? And some examples were like food shortages, rationing that we already looked at, uh, war work and conscription, and censorship as well, and whether or not they would have liked to. And they put that in an essay uh, or a visual display, depending on what they chose to do. That was fascinating to see how they could put themselves in the shoes, figuratively, of the people uh, who lived in Canada at that time. And um, one of the um, third options was to do an interview. Not a lot of students chose that, but the ones who did, I think it was very personally satisfying for them. So if they knew someone whose life was affected by the Second World War, um, they found out where the that person lived, how old he or she was at the time, and how his or her life was affected by the war. So most of the students who did that uh, compiled their findings in an essay um, with some visuals included, and um, they it became a really personal, um, really personal experience for them. In some cases, um, one that I recall, a student reached out to a family member who. Basically, they hadn't spoke with about this um, in years and revealed feelings and experiences that other family members weren't weren't aware of. So it was a really nice connection to to be found that way. And the final option um, was called Two Stories, One War. So as I already mentioned, um, we highlight not every Canadian's experience was the same. So the focus of this option was, how would your war experience have been different depending on what part of Canada you lived in or what group you identified with? For example, uh, if you were an Indigenous Canadian, of what particular group? If you were a Japanese Canadian, if you lived in the Maritimes, if you lived in other regions, if you were a woman. So they could choose two regions or groups and compare how the war experience was the same and different. And, um, again, they used some samples from uh, the historical sheets from Veterans Affairs, their website, as well from uh, the Memory Project. So those four options um, were open to students. And at the end, we had uh, an exhibition, a little exhibit of students' work that they could see what each other did, and the school could see what they did. Some parents came by to... Uh, to see it as well. So it, it kind of came full circle from something, oh, okay, this is curriculum-based and very limited to something that they developed on their own. And, and then it contributed to the whole, um, the whole narrative. The stories became more varied, for sure. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I can you can really see that the students probably became really attached. Yeah, and and that that attachment, that connection, um, it's something that it's hard to achieve. And you know, you might have the best intentions to try to create that, and it doesn't always you don't always get those results. So that was one of the I guess special moments about that project. Yeah, I can imagine. 
So how did your students apply the historical thinking concepts throughout this project? Well, they applied them whether or not, you know, they realized how important the um, historical thinking framework is. But it, um, some of them said after, oh, you're kind of sneaking this in. Like, we're really learning a lot. We don't realize it. And, um, but then when you, when you, you open it up for them and realize that, you know, there's more to the study of history than dates, for example. And um, then they realize that, okay, they could establish historical significance. Um, so the whole project, the whole theme, they could explore how people's lives were affected and how last, long-lasting the changes were. So, yes, World War II was significant as a global conflict, but also about the importance uh, of the various aspects of the home front. Um, a second one, for example, the anal- their analysis of their primary source evidence was huge. Um, the number of sources and the variety of sources in the section on World War II propaganda and their analysis of the context, the intended audience, the message, and the point of view was a really good study in primary source evidence. And the chart that they used in class uh, helped them with that. And then they just carried it through. They, you know, after the first uh, run-through in class, they they hardly needed the chart anymore. They knew the questions to ask, and they did so. Um, A third one, when we look at continuity and change in historical thinking. So when we try to make sense of, I think the the framework calls it the complex flows of history, uh, we can do that by comparing World War II lives and lifestyles, um, the role of government, the role of the media, and with their own. Um, so that helps students gain perspective in some changes and some continuity in aspects of Canadian society. Um, and for the last three, to evaluate cause and consequence, um, when you look at the Second World War, the reason why events happen, their impacts, both intended and unintended, that's hugely important. Um, and if you look at the study of the variety of the home front experiences, um, especially the ones that we highlight in rationing, propaganda, changing women's roles, all those as impacts illustrates cause and consequence. And in terms of taking an historical perspective to really better understand the people of the past um, and the experiences in the Second World War to explain how their role or their position is different from a similar group today, um, that's one goal of this lesson. And that was really emphasized in the four assignment options as well. And finally, the ethical dimensions of historical interpretations. Um, If you look at what was included in this lesson in terms of the wartime treatment of Japanese Canadians and Indigenous Canadians, that really opens up the discussion to the idea that motivating factors and the ethics of the time may very well be different than today's. Plus, it can also better inform our lives in the present, too. So the entire framework really um, fits um, the historical thinking concepts. It, It fits this project really well. Yeah, they definitely do. 
What is your favorite part about this project? Are there any stories or moments that really stand out to you? This turned out to be um, one of the nicest, and um, I had no way of anticipating how well it turned out from a student's point of view. Like at first, I really liked the project was easily cross-curricular, and students noted that it tied in nicely with fine art, with nutrition and biology, and with critical thinking skills that they use in language arts and English and in French. And um, they like the fact, and I like the fact that it demonstrates connections and the importance of music and art and writing in the study of history. And it's adaptable to different grade levels. It's adaptable to different backgrounds and ethnicities as well. So really, you could teach anywhere in the country, and you could use aspects of this, which I thought was, was great, because every time you teach a theme, it's different depending on the students. Um, another thing I like about this project is that it's always changing and always growing, and I find it literally heartwarming and you don't get a whole lot of heartwarming <laughs> moments, probably. Students have discovered, for example, like their neighbors who were war brides. And our tech teacher, uh, his uncle survived a prisoner of war camp in Japan and was in Nagasaki when um, the atomic bomb was dropped there. Uh, I've had several students comment that the war cake that I have them try in class, that's the same recipe as their grandmother's Christmas cake. So the whole project draws on our school and our water community, and our students solidify their connection to Canadian history and their community because of it. And this year in particular, the enthusiasm that the students approached the projects were and the variety of projects that they did, and skills I didn't even know they had, but they were so proud of their work and their research I could have never predicted that. Um, and there was a moment, for example, there's one girl in my class, she's very quiet, she doesn't speak a lot, and she interviewed her grandmother, um, who had been a child during the Second World War, and her grandmother came in to speak to all my Canadian history classes, and she brought in some photos and a jewelry box that a German prisoner of war had made for her. And the students were completely enthralled and hung on her every word. So to them, history came alive in that woman. It was amazing. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And you're right, it really does bring mm -hmm. in the entire community and the school. Yeah. And it, ju it just, yeah, it makes it relevant and makes it come alive for them all. So that's yeah. that's that's what you hope for, right? <laughs> exactly. Relevance is is key, really, to everything. Especially when you look at how, you know, this is a, the students I teach now, they weren't, they were born in 2000. What technology is to them now compared to the era that they were born in? Like, what a telephone is now <laughs> compared to 2000 is something entirely different. So, that's pretty cool. Thank you so much for, for talking with us today, Michelle. Uh, it's been, been great to hear about you and your students and your project. It's all fantastic to, to hear more about. And congrats once again on being named a finalist. Thank you. It's been a fun afternoon. I've enjoyed it.